so I've just pressed record. Um, so, so hi all, this is Sharap again uh, with, I think this is episode five now of an ongoing podcast. I'm actually uh, joined uh, today with an esteemed guest. Uh, this is, I, I hope, I'm so sorry if I pronounced your name correctly, Savinj. Savinj, uh, it's correct. <laughs> Savinj, who is currently based in Azerbaijan. Uh, she's an uh, economist and um, has a really good insight into the current affairs in Azerbaijan. And what I'd, I think would be quite good for the podcast is to ask her a few questions and particularly for the lay audience, and I consider myself as a lay audience, to understand some of the differences between Azerbaijan and Armenia and why there has been and still is ongoing conflicts between the two nations. Um, so just to, to begin with, I think it would be good to have a, a small introduction uh, from you, Samin, if that's all right. Okay, thank you very much, Sharaf. It's very nice of you to actually invite me for this podcast. And as a friend, I think I'll try to be more, uh, you know, easygoing on this topic, all this very harsh topic. And maybe if you follow the social media and all the news, like there is really crazy fight going between Armenians and Azeris on the social media, on the battlegrounds. Um, you know, we just recently signed um, with the broker of like Russia being broker we just recently signed the peace still very controversial one but yeah so far after that uh, peace deal um, no shootings happened like between these two nations Azerbaijanis and Armenians uh, just to give you insight on the um, background of the issue I'll, I'll try to actually, before talking this, like, you know, there is a perspective of the war from our side and there is a perspective of the war from Armenian side. So I just tried to uh, review like international newspapers before giving you information about it. So I've come across, for example, um, the fact that they, Armenians claim that they, um, you know, there is this region inside Azerbaijan called Nagorno-Karabakh. It's, it's on the top of the mountains. It's actually not big of uh, area. But what happened is that in the, um, uh, when the, there was a like skirmish between these two people, first it started with the expulsion of the local Azeris in 1987 from Armenia. Uh, and there were some not nice events happening, actually. It was a forced ex expulsion. And then <clears throat> after they followed, in Baku, there was some guide pogroms. Also, not nice things happened to Armenians, which Armenians quite a lot poke into our eyes on this point. Uh, but like, it's important to understand that there was already like 1987 already started to have some uh, you know negative influence and the impact on the minds of the people. Um, and then it just went like you know basically. Uh, whoever, who, any Azeri in the territory of the current Armenia, the borders that are defined, was exposed from Armenia and as Armenians who were in the territory of Azerbaijan, including Baku, because we had a lot of Armenians in Baku, the, the town where I was born and I grew up, mm. um, was they were exposed. Um, and in what happened was like in 1992 and 1994, there was this two-year two war. Actually, some consider it four-year war, Mm. I mean, six year war since 1988, but I would say like most active cases of the war was 1992. Mm. And uh, what happened was that Nagorno-Karabakh, uh, they succeeded to 
get out Azeri forces from Nagorno-Karabakh. Yeah. But not only was that, um, because of the atrocities that happened during this war and also because of the weak army forces in Azerbaijan, they also managed to get seven towns surrounding Nagorno-Karabakh that had nothing to do with Armenians. They were mainly ethnically Kurds and ethnically ethnically Azeri Kurds and ethnically Azeri Turks. It's very important here to say that Azerbaijan is not mono-ethnic country, uh, neither mono-religious country. So we have here different nationalities, uh, ethnic Caucasians we have, you know, we have Russians, we have Armenians, we have Kurds, we have Turks, but majority is ethnic Azeris. So what happened is that during this Nagorno-Karabakh war, uh, Armenians succeeded this yeah. area, uh, which I probably will not be able to pronounce really good, yeah. um, is borderline between the, the state of Armenia and Azerbaijan. Is it close to the border? Or is it, Actually, it's close, but there were these towns between Nagorno-Karabakh, actually conflict zone, like, or the, the lands they claim, because there was an autonomous republic during 19, like, the, the, the area that mm. started to be disputed, let's say, so they call it disputed or conflict zone, was got autonomy in 1925 when both of us were part of USSR. Mm -hmm. And ever since Soviets controlled the anger and the fight between Azeris and Armenians, yeah. I should here note that actually the fight between Azeris and Armenians dates like maybe centuries, you know, it's not the first time we, <laughs> there's a skirmish between these two parties. So, but what happened during the Soviet times, they kind of managed to calm the people and not to, like, they made sure that even there was fights, it didn't become like a ethnic fight. But with the collapse of the Soviets, everything collapsed, of course. Uh, and yeah, and yeah, and they succeeded. So what happened was that on top of this Nagorno-Karabakh area, they also got seven towns, like there are two, like Lachun, Gubadlı, Kelbajar, these are the towns that are, they don't even have claims, but because they were between Armenia and Nagorno-Karabakh, mm -hmm. and it's a place that's like mountainous uh, area. If you control the mountains, top oh, okay. of the mountain, yeah. then you control the valleys in between them. Yeah. So the people who were in this, in the between of this, like, like let's mm -hmm. say, so the fire zone, mm -hmm. they left, some of them left really badly, some of them just so, ran away. This, yeah. this main sort of conflict all began when you, USSR would... Yeah, it mainly started to be as crazy as it is now when USSR collapsed. I yeah, see, yeah, okay. And, and then sort of Armenia tried to claim this territory, would you say? Yeah, what happened actually, they said, okay, they, uh, they announced in, after they had this like, sit, they, disputed area plus on top of it they call buffer zone even till today the buffer zones um in the recent uh, like propaganda pieces i follow i see that they now share it as a as a they, they as a part of you know they kind of rearrange the kind of the allocation of the place mm -hmm. in fact during the soviet time it was completely different every there was different areas in you know, different towns and everything mm -hmm. Now, what they did during this, since 19, because we, there was a ceasefire deal in 1994, mm -hmm. since that ceasefire deal, during the 30, in general, during the 30 years, they also migrated some peoples. In the last years, in particular, lots of Lebanese and Syrian uh, Armenians moved into, 
which in particular to the towns that were mainly Azerbaijanis, you know, the ones that people had to flee. Uh, you know, nagorno karabakh majority, the town, they were Armenians. But if you take the whole region that was right now under the question, you know, during the war, it was, if you take all this area, it will be Azeris. So it's just a statistical matter. Fine. But what I want to say that, so what happened, these places which were vast empty lands, no one was living there, they started to bring more Armenians from Armenia, more Armenians from Syria, Lebanon, just to increase the ratio of the people and say, look, we also lived here. Um, and this was something that was like very unacceptable for the government and the, for the people. Okay, it was Nagorno-Karabakh kind of people understood that they don't want to even though in, even in, though in Nagorno-Karabakh there were towns, for example, were mainly Azeris. So yeah. it's just, the, it's, you know, from town to town it changed. But mainly, the, for example, recently there is a very important town that was um, kind of taken by the Azerbaijani army that was literally like checkmate for Armenia because it, it was a town that Azerbaijan had a high hopes and a high connection. It was a town called Shusha. And when you get Shusha, you know that you control the area, you control the supply, you control even the capital of the disputed area. So, uh, you know, this is kind of very small geography, but still every town matters. Every town has impact on the, how to say, how the war will be solved. So what happened was that, when Azerbaijani army cleared Armenian forces from Shusha, and then basically the Armenians realized that uh, there is no way forward, like they will lose more people because the town is in a way that controls the arms supply coming from Armenia and also can directly attack um, Stepanakert or recall Han Kandy town. So this is something, it's very small details, but devils are always in the detail. <laughs> Interesting, quite to highlight there actually. And just to track back, um, so Nagorno Karabakh, is that how you pronounce it? Yes, Nagorno Karabakh. Okay, okay. Is, um, so that was ethnically when, say, USSR withdrew, was it majority Armenian at the time or was it majority Azerite? Yeah, I mean, um, I'll say you something like I tried even this in 19, so I've come across recently demography um, distribution, demographic distribution of the Nagorno-Karabakh and the towns around it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are basically, uh, I might mistake, but it might be like 13 towns or 14 towns. Okay. So, and Nagorno-Karabakh itself was a small, but oh. there were also seven towns in addition to it. <laughs> I don't, I, I exactly don't know the towns, how many towns there was in Nagorno-Karabakh because, um, I mean, if I count Hankende, Khojale, what else, Shusha, Khojavand, I think there were four towns, yeah, four towns in, let's say, Nagorno-Karabakh and seven towns surrounding it. Wow. So this in these in this, uh, three towns, it was mainly Armenians. Yeah. So if you just take Nagorno-Karabakh as statistically, it will give you idea that, okay, Nagorno-Karabakh itself, there were more Armenians, yeah. but in, around the towns, yeah. yeah, surrounding this place that was also captured and called as a buffer zone yeah. was majority Azerbaijanis. Yeah. When I say Azerbaijanis, I try to always clarify it, like because ethnic ethnicities can be different, and yeah, especially the yeah, the, especially the towns that were closer to Armenia, mm. for example, Kalbajar, Lachan, it was majority uh, Kurds. That yeah. is like 
quite interesting insight to the world that no one even talks about this fact. I mean, there are people who talk about it, but of course it's shadowed, shadowed by the shout of Armenians about the Armenian genocide that Azeris are doing to them, which is basically nonsense. It's just a war over the land, disputed lands. So what happened with the peace deal now we have? Yeah. Um, so before we get to the peace deal that's coming, yeah. I just want to try back. So if I'm understanding correctly, is that so imagine the USSR step back and we have a mix of people in this disputed area and also within this buffer zone. Yeah. Um, the mix actually uh, buffer zone, there was no disputed, by the way. Okay, fine. And, yeah, and yeah. then um, I'm assuming what happened next is, uh, was it the Azerbaijanis that took over certain landscapes that you're mentioning, ones that were higher up in better positions? Is that correct? No, no, actually what happened was that um, Armenians Armenian. took up the, yeah, Armenians took yeah. up. Yeah. There was, um, there was even ceasefire deal that they next to ceasefire. So Shusha was, for example, one of the important towns mm -hmm. uh, in terms of its strategic importance and also the cultural value to Azerbaijanis. Right. Uh, then there was a ceasefire deal in 1919. Uh, 2, 8th of May or 7th May, that was brokered by Iran. So army in Shusha thought that, and also the government in Azerbaijan thought that, okay, it's a ceasefire, so there will be no fights. But the next day of the ceasefire, Shusha was taken by the, um, by the Armenians. And as I say, again, this was very important town because like, if you have it, then you have all the region. It's easy yeah. then to control it. And uh, there then a long period of, so up until quite recently, uh, was there a the relative period of peace and who was that brokered by? Actually, there were shootings from time to time. I have, I'm, I myself have a lot of relatives who served in the military. There were random shootings. There were random, um, like, a, how to say, uh, the, how you call them this, um, you know, who come, not the sp they are not spy, but during the, like, ceasefire time like they come they check on it sometimes they would take some even um some not civilians but the military they collect the military information i think there was this both sides were doing this so silently secretly they were doing this but the the major skirmish happened in 2016 um there was yeah there was this i think four days in 2016, it was four days, and we lost like 200 soldiers. Um, and and the contact of land was changed in 2016. Then it happened again in July, but this was outside of the conflict zone. It was close to um, the pipeline that Azerbaijan is sending the gas and petroleum to Europe. Uh, so so potentially one of the reasons. So if we track back, so then this peace deal that wasn't really in place in the 90s and there was continuing conflict uh, yes, yes. The sites. and then up until quite recently um, a conflict that was around an area of interest potentially with uh, the gas line as you mentioned yes yes in that 2000 course. yeah in july this was a i think like one of the mistakes they've done because mm. maybe maybe as origin would try still continue with this, you know, this peace talks, diplomacy, mm -hmm. and etc. But 
I think for government and also for the people and for the opposition as well, it was a huge, um, you know, signal that uh, apparently some extra measures need to be taken. Uh, this is this should not be allowed. Yeah. At this point, that Azerbaijan actually stepped up militarily to put back afterwards. On. Yeah, afterwards, I have and actually. Yeah, in, it happened in July and May. So afterwards, Azerbaijan, I mean, even before that, uh, politically, there was also, um, uh, the connections were getting worse and worse. The discussions, like more, more and more, they realized the discussion doesn't give any fruit mm -hmm. because one year before they elected the president uh, of this disputed area, again in a town that is very important to Azerbaijan Shusha and um, they brought like some international media um, they made a show out of it so it was a kind of insult for the government and and the opposition and for people who are ethnically from there so this was also like a politically the relationship was going worse and then as I say again as the, as I stated before, the, the the fact that outside of the conflict zone there was these uh, actions, so this was, and and I think uh, President himself in his one of the speeches he, he was saying that they also detected some military uh, military groups of Armenia were trying to infiltrate into Azerbaijan and cause some um, terror acts or etc. Which I don't know, like details are not exposed that much so this was i think yeah all this contributed to the I, I, situation I getting worse so then um in terms of this peace deal um i guess the first question would be which country helped broker it and what interests did the, that country have in uh, in solving a conflict between armenia and Azerbaijan? i assume that this is going to be more russia's involvement yes it's um, russia. and yeah so why would they have sudden keen interest given that a conflict has been going on for so long i think you mentioned one of the factors was this conflict site over an important pipeline um, and why would they suddenly have an interest to stop the conflict between the two nations that have been going on actually it's um it's not sudden just i didn't want it to add a, i didn't want it also add another layer to the conflict which the conflict i mean maybe you also we also talked about the after ussa collapse um what happened was that um, both sides, including Azerbaijan and Armenia, claimed that Russia helped them, even the First Karabakh World, uh, First Karabakh War. Um, what is obvious from the information available was that Russia was providing guns to Azerbaijan and Armenia at the same time during the First Karabakh War in 1990s. And I think they were just supporting the one at the end of the war, whoever won it, they were supporting it. Uh, it's my opinion, maybe it's not correct, but I think that they were supporting it, Armenian, it was obvious. The way why I say support Armenia, because um, in 90s, we managed to expel Russians out of Azerbaijan region, land, uh, the country, territory. Um, and actually all these discussions and all the worsening of the situation started afterwards. So what happened was that Armenia has a collective security treaty organization. They're part of this kind of like NATO equivalent of Russia, you know, Russia and former USSR countries. So uh, Russia has a military base in Armenia. 
And basically, if any country in the world, even, I don't know, Tahiti or <laughs> Hawaii, all of a sudden wants to attack Armenia, Russia is there and going to support it. And during the wartime, even during the second world, second time that when there was the war, Armenia was trying to involve Russia in, in, the, in the military act, actions. Um, Russia didn't do it so far. And I think that has... Um, some political and as well as economical reason. This is my personal opinion. I think that like there, are, there is economical and political reason. Political reason is the fact that, um, you know, basically this seven towns surrounding Nagorno-Karabakh was much bigger, in, like geographically was much bigger than the, this Nagorno-Karabakh itself. And basically Azerbaijan had like um, around 700,000 IDPs because of this war. It was becoming costly, and Azerbaijan was improving its relationship more and more with Russia. So maybe in the 90s, in the beginning of 90s, we had horrible relationship with them because the, the government who was in charge, they were more uh, Western, more pro-Turkish. Uh, but the current government is trying to keep the balance, balanced political relationship. I think this is like political aspect of it. And in terms of economical, um, Armenia itself depends a lot on the repatriations and donations. Uh, and because of this war, Azerbaijan and Turkey, um, you know, we are the, his, we are biggest, like in terms of like the line of contact, we are like one of the biggest neighbors with Armenia and Turkey. Because of this Karabakh matter, there was um, basically a blockade. All the economical blockades, like, no one could fly over Azerbaijan to Armenia, or like we did, we didn't do, we didn't do any trade or etc. Any economic relationship with Armenia because of the Karabakh war, and I think this not I think it just I think it just highly impacted negatively the economy of Armenia, and as um, so it was getting expensive for Armenia, uh, and also the friend of Armenia who is Russia to you know, sustain Karabakh issue mm -hmm. because basically, and especially now it's crisis time. Yeah. Uh, it was getting much more expensive yeah. to make sure that people in Karabakh or people in Armenia who support Karabakh yeah. uh, have their gas or electricity or other resources they need to. Yeah, interesting. I, yeah, I think that makes uh, a lot of sense, particularly uh, strategically, I think as well with Armenia and uh, Azerbaijan their location. Um, I think also, uh, I, I don't know if you, if you know at all, Turkey's involvement as well, was Turkey also involved in, and I, I assume it for similar reasons if they were involved. Um, Actually, during the, um, what happened was that during the Karabakh, uh, first Karabakh war, um, Turkey was there again, but no one talks about it. Turkey was there again as again, Big Brother supporting, as I say, after the, the war, they stopped the relationship with Armenia. They, so for example, you cannot pass directly, in my, to my knowledge, you cannot pass directly from Armenia to Turkey because basically the, the, there is no um, guards. There is no, they are not allowed. Uh, so Turkey cut the relationship with Armenia economically direct perhaps maybe like it's it's better it's correct to say direct relationship with armenia uh so there was turkish support to azerbaijan because ethnically we have majority turks azerbaijani turks it's a different 
tribes of Turks, but still we are considered Turks because we have the, that language. Uh, there was the political support, even the UN resolutions, you know, uh, trying to pressure Armenia on the Karabakh matter was always done with the help of Turks. Uh, during the second uh, Karabakh war, it was more about, uh, I think so, it was more about the strategy. Uh, it was more about like uh, training of the military because after the Karabakh war, um, they, even still now, there is this military base of Turkey in Azerbaijan, in Nakhchivan. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, if ever Nakhchivan, if, because Armenia has also territory uh, demand from the Nakhchivan area of Azerbaijan. If ever, for example, Nakhchivan attacks, Turkey will protect uh, on behalf of Azerbaijan. Turkey is going to protect Nakhchivan. So this is, and you know, like there is, I think there was a strategic support, uh, like let's say so, in terms of, for example, Armenians themselves were reporting that like they're fighting against NATO forces, but basically I think the, the Azerbaijani, the way Azerbaijan military was trained was according to the NATO standards. The way this war was carried out was according to the NATO standards. Uh, so I think when they meant they're fighting against NATO, it, they meant that actually the, the op opponent is equipped with the knowledge and information that uh, equivalent NATO soldier would have. Is it fair to say then uh, Azerbaijan is well supported by Turkey and Armenia is yes, yes. supported by Russia? Exactly. There is this this power. I think um, we are small countries, and yeah. it's not possible for us to survive without uh, support yeah. of anyone. Yeah. Uh, yet, given that, and I think that everyone is ignoring the fact that how our relationship got norm normalized and better by time, and the the fact that we started this war, uh, I'm <laughs> I'm hundred percent sure. Like, just it's my subjective opinion that it was also Russia letting us to start this war. Uh, it's not without, uh, you know, that Russia was against this war. I don't think that Russia was against this war. I think that Russia was just fed up of this continuous, you know, fight between these two nations and the, the region that is so poor, you know. And I guess, uh, yeah, coming towards the end, would what would you say about in terms of uh, future relations between the two countries? And are you convinced or happy about the the current peace deal? And do you think it will withstand? Um, okay, uh, I think it's better to start with the peace deal. When when I heard about the peace deal, I was shocked um, because. Okay. Yeah, uh, because the fact that I know that Russian military forces go back, like, because it's basically internationally recognized Azerbaijani lands. And we, the the president signed the agreement that allows Russians with their guns and heavy equipment and all the military supply come back to Azerbaijan. It's not a simple peacekeepers, you know, like if you just check out with the military equipment, there, how they are coming, it's, they're not simple military peacekeepers. So this was something a little bit unpleasant part for Azerbaijanis. Uh, but then I understand that because of this 30 years war and also the trauma that Azerbaijan people got during the first Karabakh war, uh, I'm 
sure that it could have been, um, you know, it could have been a little bit nasty if it was Armenians who lived there and there was no one controlling Armenians and Azeris. Mm. It's just my opinion. Not that I'm saying that we are, we were, we are, we were going to attack them or yeah. our president or our government didn't wanted Armenians there. Yeah. Uh, actually, basically, he was all the time repeating that Armenian civilians can stay there. We don't want the army. Uh, but I think, like from that perspective, it gives this. Even in terms of like, I read Armenians also; they are also feeling secured uh, with the presence of the Russian peacekeepers. On the contrary, we feel threatened. This is the reality in Azerbaijan. We feel threatened. We feel that our independence is jeopardized, mm -hmm. uh, and we feel that like it can basically become, you know, what happened in Abkhazia, what happened in Ukraine. Mm -hmm we are, we are aware of it we can we know that things can get worse and it can be really bad for azerbaijan yeah. this is something that's the part i'm not happy about it and i wish i wish really wish that there was not this 44 days war mm. and these two nations because we have so many similarities you even asked the question because i talked so much i forgot to answer it we have so many simil similarities you know our like not my generation but my parents generation with, they grew up with Armenians together. Everyone had an Armenian neighbor, Armenian colleague, Armenian friend. Uh, you know, there is, they speak common language, at least my parents' generation, which is Russian. Mm -hmm. they, they could at least have some shared memories. Unfortunately, I mean, this we felt to reconcile them. Uh, also, the generation that grew up after Armenia, after the Karabakh, after the Karabakh war, they are also <laughs> went to the wrong direction. They consider us Turks who are about to commit to them genocide. They consider us jihadists. They consider us really the enemy. In our side, it's more trauma of the first war because it was really unfairness towards so many people. Uh, there was even a massacre of one town, which is like a little bit bitter story. So. With respect to how this peace deal is going to, I don't know, I, I'm a little bit skeptic about it, but it seems that uh, in certain points, the people, Armenian civilians who are in Karabakh, um, they feel secured, or at least that's how the sources report, they feel secured about Russian peacekeepers. Um, maybe, maybe in the next five years, if they succeed, you know, at least these people start to each other that they see that Azerbaijanis are not animals or Azeris see that Armenians are not animals and they start to accept each other as a human and maybe there would be some peace discussions. You know, you never know, like we always talk about it that how French and Germans somehow started to live together peacefully. Maybe we have also this opportunity to live together peacefully. Yes, I, yeah, no, I really hope so. I, I guess it would be good to end on a uh, that note of hope which is uh yes yeah <laughs> way of putting it um and uh yeah no thank you so much uh welcome so, um welcome and uh for i know it's quite late for you where you are so i do want to let you go to sleep um <laughs> but yes i will hopefully okay yeah so thanks guys i'm just gonna wrap this up and uh yeah cool let me just pause